Hey there, welcome to episode 101 of Inbound Agency Journey. This is Andrew Dembski. I'm so excited to have you here this week where I am chatting with Chris Hodgson from We Mean Lean. If you remember a few episodes ago here on Inbound Agency Journey, we had Jeremy Knight on from Equinet and he talked about their transformation into an agile inbound agency. Well, Chris was the guy who helped them pull it off. And before Chris started working with Jeremy and Eric over at Equinet, he didn't know anything about inbound marketing agencies and how they operate. So it was a learning experience for him wrapping his mind around the business. But when he did that, he really got excited because he knew that Agile could help them change the way they work and deliver better results to their clients at the end of the day. So in this episode, we go behind the scenes on how that transformation happened. It is a really cool uh, view on things. And I just, I'm really thankful to Jeremy and Eric and Chris for opening up and sharing this with the inbound agency journey community here. Uh, before we hop into that interview, this episode is brought to you by Do Inbound. And to celebrate our 100th episode here on Inbound Agency Journey, we are in the middle of a massive agency training giveaway. We are giving away $10,000 worth of agency training courses. If you go to doinbound.com slash 100, just one zero zero, you can enter for your chance to win one of four courses that we are giving away right there. All you need to do is rate and review the podcast here on whatever platform you choose to listen to the podcast on. Share that review there. Fill out the form and you will be entered. Multiple people can enter from any agency. So send over those entries there. We can't wait to hear from you. And we're super excited to give away this training and really help change the way that agencies are operating, help you get to where you want to go. Enough of that, guys. Let's get to the show and my conversation with Chris. Here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. All right, Chris, welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. So excited to have you here to just kind of get your perspective on implementing Agile for inbound agencies. We had Jeremy on the podcast just a few months ago, so this is a really cool follow-up on that. Um, before we get into kind of the details of that story, would you mind just introducing yourself to the listeners, sharing a little bit of your history and what brought you to where you are today? Sure. First of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, I hope it's useful and informative to your listeners. Uh, okay, a quick uh, background or history on me is um, I started in the digital world quite early on. I started a uh, digital production agency um, back in 2006, and we uh, built websites and mobile apps for advertising agencies and um, creative agencies and marketing agencies <clears throat> based in London. Uh, and we had – it was a sort of what's called an onshoring model. So we had an, uh, uh, one of the business partners was Pakistani and we had an office in Pakistan and which had all our tech and developers in it and then a front office of account managers, consultants, project managers and all the rest in, uh, in London. Uh, I was the head of operations and so as part of uh, that you know, business, I was responsible for implementing the Agile process, which I'll 
mention now because it's ultimately what we're talking about. And uh, we ran that company. It was me and three founders uh, for about 10 years. And uh, in that in that time, you know, we moved from delivering <clears throat> campaign based projects to agencies uh, through to adopting the agile pr processes and principles across the entire company to then building sort of products and um, user engaging digital tools for direct to consumers. Awesome. So that finished around, uh, it was actually a year and a half ago. Uh, we um, sort of restructured the company and I left along with um, uh, a few others and <clears throat> have gone into the sort of uh, digital consultancy side of things where I'm now focused on um, helping businesses and agencies uh, deliver digital products more effectively. It, it, it essentially works off the premise that a lot of people spend a lot of time working on things that aren't going to deliver them any value when they finish with it. And if they were able to uh, understand that and identify that earlier on in the process, they would uh, either stop what they're doing or end up with a much, much better product at the end of it. And so therefore getting you know, a better, um, more value for the money, time and effort that they are spending on their, um, on their projects. And I do that through uh, an agency called We Mean Lean. Um, so that's where I am today. Do you, do you want me to get on to Equinet or do you want to lead on the Agile stuff? Do you want to lead on with that yourself? Well, I think it's a, it's a great transition here because um, folks who are familiar with the Agile concepts, you know, they, they understand it in the realm of software development. Right. Now, you know, the principles there, you've had firsthand experience implementing that at Equinet through kind of the inbound agency scope of services. So let's kick that off there. First of all, how did you guys start working together, you and the Equinet team? And then yeah. what were your first impressions looking at inbound as someone who's, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but hadn't been exposed to inbound before that? Yeah, that's correct. So I knew um, Eric, Eric Swain, who's the COO of Equinet from um, the days of my software development company. Uh, we worked on a number of projects together. So we, we went quite a long way back. And <clears throat> Um, he called me up uh, because Equinet were looking at uh, – well, so, so Eric was very familiar with my experience and the fact that I he'd been around when we were – when I was implementing Agile into uh, my agency, which was, in, in all honesty, quite a tough and painful process because we completely self-implemented. So I, I went away and taught myself Agile by sending myself on a few courses and then basically tried to implement it myself into into the agency, which was ultimately successful, but was a very hard and um, tough road. And that was specifically for you know software development. But anyway, so Eric and the Equinet team were looking at uh, implementing Agile into inbound marketing. And because he knew um, that I had done this before, he called me up to ask if I'd be interested in helping them. Now. Uh, you're quite right. I didn't. I, I'm almost familiar with the act of inbound marketing, and have worked with marketing agencies, but I really didn't know that much about <clears throat> how it was done or the details of um, of the process of delivering inbound marketing. So I said, "Well, okay, I'll I'll have a look." 
and uh, you know, let, let's see if I if I can help you or, or, or what the deal is. So I went in and had a chat with Eric and Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy being the uh, CEO of um, Equinet, and had a little bit of talk about how they work and and what's going on and um, whether I could help. And we decided that I I, pr- I probably could. Uh, without getting into the detail of it, uh, so as in without me really getting into the detail of um, the inbound marketing, they were pretty adamant that it could deliver them value. Okay. Uh, and they and they were also adamant that they really wanted help doing it. So, so I, I I was of the opinion that I'm pretty sure it will deliver value, but I can't guarantee it. And they said, well, we're pretty confident it will. We've, we've done, we've looked into it quite a bit. So we want to go for it and we want to <laughs> make sure that, um, we do it properly. So we'd, we'd really like you to help us do this. And so that was kind of how we started. So it was even really at the very start, slightly blind in terms of exactly how it was going to work. Uh, do you want me to go into how it did work? Yeah. Well, First of all, from a sales perspective, how great is the sales conversation where you can tell your prospects, I mean your friends, but you can tell your prospects, I'm not sure this is going to work. And they say, oh, no, trust us. It'll work. <laughs> Let us hire you so we can go do this together. You, you, you say that, but you know, as a consultant, you, I really only feel like you're as good as the quality of the work that you're delivering. So it's slightly nerve-wracking at the same <laughs> yes. time because you're like, I, I have no idea what's going to come out of this. But having said that, you know, I, I am a massive agile advocate. And so I am confident that it can work in almost, I'm not going to say any scenario, but certainly most team working, you know, agency environments, agile, if you're not doing it, will provide some sort of value. So I was confident, but nervous. Awesome. So <laughs> it was, yeah, go on. Walk us through the discovery here. When as you were getting acquainted with how they do business and the structure yeah. of inbound contracts, how they deliver their services, yeah. what was like the light bulb moment for you where you said, yeah, this is really going to work for these guys and here's how we could you know, begin to implement in an organization yeah. like this? Yeah, yeah. Well, so the first thing that I did was um, I went into Equinet and spent three days just completely engulfed in what they do. So I had to go from, you know, zero knowledge to understanding all the different processes and how everybody in the team works uh, and what roles they have and the jobs and how they, uh, and just as important, how they manage their calendars and the workloads and, and what they're doing. And it was kind of during that process, I don't know, you know, at what point it was, but it was certainly during those three days that it, it was evident that it could help. And I think the, the primary things that jumped out at me uh, that were clearly a huge value add in terms of how Agile could help the, you know, the inbound marketing activities is that the, the team, as far as I could see, the team that's delivering um, do inbound there, the, everyone has a particular role that they're doing. There's a few, you know, cross-functional um, people, but you know, with, we had a, uh, you know, they have a content um, uh, writers, so copywriters who are writing a lot of the content. They have people who are making the videos. They have uh, developers who are building the websites. 
uh, and all this, you know, digital assets. They have designers who are creating the visuals, and then they have, uh, you know, people running the social campaigns as well as the re-engagement campaigns and all this sort of stuff. And uh, the way that they were managing their workload was on a task-based basis. So they have a certain amount of work that they need to do in order to deliver um, the contracts that they were um, providing their clients. And the contracts they were providing their clients were also based on tasks. But what was what was obvious? Sorry, what was clearly the um, what the clients wanted and what they the inbound marketing Equinet to deliver them was uh, performance, right? So the quality of work that that the inbound marketing agency or Equinet would deliver was down to how many, uh, how much traffic they delivered to their client, sure. how many contacts they were going to get them, and how many what they call uh, marketing qualified leads they're going to get them. But everything that the team was doing was about activities. And there was a, there was a complete disconnect in terms of how the agency is judged from a client perspective and how they are working from a day-to-day perspective. Sure. So that was, that was a clear, clear advantage. So with Agile, it's all about uh, you know, one of the core concepts or principles is having aligned goals. So everyone working towards the same goal and making sure that that goal is the right goal is a, is a really critical part of that. And so that was going to be a clear advantage, uh, you know, in order to implement the team. And the other one was bringing all these different um, skills into one cohesive team. So everyone was delivering their own work, and they, of course, they were communicating. It's not a, it's not a massive company, and so they're all, you know, b- between two or three different rooms. So they're having social conversations and and having chat, and they all get to get to know each other very well. But there wasn't very much cohesive communication in terms of how their work affects the other people in the team. Okay. And that, given that. Uh, the performance that they're going to deliver to their clients is really completely interlinked in terms of how they all work together. That was a nut, that was the other part for me that really stood out as um, a value add that the agile. The agile is going to you know close that loop because the other you know another principle of agile is about cohesive teams, right? Having a team that has all the skill sets. So with software development, while it's applied to software development, when you try and form an agile team, you don't try and segment it. You don't say, right, well, we just want front-end developers here. We just want back-end developers. You try and have inputs from all the skill sets necessary to deliver your end product. And so with inbound marketing, our end product, uh, you know, if I take it back to the aligned goal, is performance. So of your uh, inbound marketing – so you need in your team all the different um, skills in order to deliver you know, a high-performance inbound marketing campaign. And so they had, we wanted to bring them all together. So those were, I think, the two things that really jumped out at me uh, in terms of how they were working. So they were, you know, to summarize, they were working this siloed uh, way where everyone had their own task list. They all managed their own tasks in, the, in, in their own 
in their own ways. They were working according to tasks and activities as opposed to performance and, and they weren't all working together and measuring themselves on, on ultimately the right goals that, the, that their clients were going to measure them on. Okay. Now, it sounds almost overwhelming to think about that situation and then to say, okay, how do we write this ship and change the direction of how this whole team works and functions together without you know, dropping a client off or missing a key deliverable in a campaign. Yeah. So once you identified this gap there, what was your first step in kind of beginning the process of instituting change without disrupting delivery? Yeah, yeah. And that, that, is pro that was probably um, my, my biggest concern as I was going into it because, you know, an agile way of working is an all-encompassing it you know it's company-wide you can't just do it in one part and not another you have to do the whole thing and so it it can't be taken lightly and also while when you get there in the end it's far far better than what it was before it's very easy and this is a mistake that you know i had personally made with my agency we actually lost a few clients because of some um you know Taking steps, taking too big of a step too soon, and and dropping the ball with okay. clients. So, uh, which is a mistake you can make when it's your own agency, but not one you can make when it's someone else's. You know, it's <laughs> your clients. So the the way that we had structured the, oh, I think I lost you there a second. Hang on. No problem. I can still hear you. You still there, Andrew? Yes, I'm still here. Sorry, you dropped out a second. The way that we had um, structured um, uh, the program was, it was we, were, we, we planned to do it over three months. So it was a three month sort of transformation, which was aggressive in hindsight, however, uh, did give us plenty of time to get all the elements in there. And so what I did is I went away having spent my three days uh, immersed in, in Equinet and I put together a sort of 12 week um, program where every week so that I was due to go in there once a week and um, for essentially a whole day and <clears throat> I, I took all the different elements of, of Agile and I broke them down and I created this sort of priority list of um, how I was going to introduce it into the into the company, and every week um, I would go in and introduce one concept, and with that concept there would be a few activities to be done, a few new activities for for the company to take on board, and then the next week I would go in and we talk about how the last one went, and were there any problems, were there any challenges before we then decided to move on before or I decided to move on to introduce the next one. And with that, um, decide how that was going to affect, you know, what activities that was going to affect and what it wasn't going to affect. Okay. And, and by doing this very carefully, so in a way, the, the, the program itself was agile because we were delivering it week by week. So the concept of sprints is one um, that agile revolves around. For those that aren't aware, it's a time boxed period, it's a cycle that you go around. So I was essentially delivering a sprint of um, agile work each, each week, and we would review 
how the last week had gone. We'd talk about it before deciding whether we were in a position to move on to the next concept or not. And if we weren't in the position to move on to the next concept, we wouldn't. We would discuss what went wrong with the previous one, how you know it might ha- it might be affecting the clients, uh, and how we might correct it. And then we would run another week where they would uh, stay on that concept or those tasks before I came in the next week and then introduce another one. And so that gave me the ability to keep a very close eye on how the different concepts affected the way that they were working. And also to, you know, there's a, I'm working with both the team and Jeremy and Eric for the management team to understand how it's um, affecting their client relationships, right? And whether any clients are being uh, potentially um, – you know, uh, p- poorly treated or have, having some problems or, or you know, uh, left by the wayside in, in this way. And, and so we kept a very, very close eye on it to, tr- to ensure that that didn't happen. But essentially it was, it was this sort of prioritized uh, approach to not doing the whole thing at once, but just picking and choosing what concepts were going to be most easily absorbed by the team uh, at each step. And only moving to the next concept when we felt like the team was comfortable with the one that they had been given before, the week before. Okay, so you're layering on over time, little by little, kind of moving towards, and then adjusting as you need to as you go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, So I have so many follow-up questions here, Chris. I don't really know where to start. Um, But let's start with kind of the tools that drive everything. How did the process of implementing a tool to manage the new agile flow go for the team? Is that something that you implemented slowly over time or was that kind of a, a to be honest thing? It was um, it was the very, very first thing that we did. So um, there, there, there was an element to the process that was an unknown as in, I, I knew what the principles were and I knew um, what we needed to maintain when we were delivering it, but I didn't know exactly how that was going to end up looking by the time that we were finished with the process. And so uh, there's a tool that I use that I, I absolutely love and I pretty much use for everything, which is called Trello. And um, it's a free tool that Essentially, it's, it's essentially a, a like a, a, uh, it was built for agile, but it's, it's like a, it's a to do list or a, a management board for for agile sprints. And you can pretty much do anything with it. It's it's incredibly flexible and it's very easy to run and everyone can have it on their computers. Um, and so it's a very, very, very simple. You, you can it's, it's, it's as malleable as you want it to be. And you can use it for any purpose. So actually, the very first thing I did was introduce Trello and say, this is now where we manage um, all our tasks. So I can actually tell you that the, the, the first step that we did was to say, OK, from now on, we are going to put down what we're working on into a shared um, location so that everyone else can see what what everyone's working on. Awesome. Because this was something that they were already they were already doing. At, sorry, they were already discussing 
what they were working on, as any good team would, you know, so they'd sit down. Uh, I think they'd do it every Monday and talk about, okay, what are we doing this week? Um, you know, what's the co- what, what copy are we, what content are we creating? What uh, enga- re-engagement campaigns are we doing? What, what web development are we doing? And, you know, the team would discuss it. But it was just in a discussion. It wasn't really logged or, or, or held anywhere. So I was like, right, I want to get this all down so we can actually see what it is because things change during the week. And you also forget what people say, but it's still important. So I said, right, we've got to have everything down in one place so that we can all see it. And uh, I then introduced Trello and said, right, this is a tool that I think we should use in order to, in order to manage that. Okay. And interestingly, we, we, they still use Trello and to great effect. And it's now grown and evolved and developed into, you know, much bigger than just the board. They use it for um, what, a lot of other parts of, of the business, all kind of feeding into the agile process. Okay, awesome. So you have, did you have them like set up a new board for every client and manage it that way? No. So <clears> – <throat> The way that you want to run your – well, to be honest with you, I wasn't sure how that was going to end up being. However, I knew the ideal, and the ideal is that you have a board per team okay, as opposed to per client. Now, what I didn't know if it, is if the reality of inbound marketing was going to allow that to happen. As, as it turned out, it did, and so they have one board for a, a per team that they have now Equinet's sort of small enough to have one quite large team um so they have one sprint board and it has all their clients on it okay now the reason why you do that is because it the board allow is is it, a lot of the value of the board is planning and uh not overloading a team so understanding how much your team can deliver in each sprint or in you know in each week and if you have a separate board for every single client but all clients are delivered by the same team yeah it becomes incredibly confusing to know whether you are overloading your team or not which is inevitably what happens you know you tend to there's very few agencies that underload their teams <laughs> Amen. That way, right you know so um you <clears throat> and Overloading your team has a lot of consequences to it. Not only does it, you know, hit morale because your team's never delivering what they what they're being told they need to deliver, but two, it's incredibly difficult to then communicate to your clients about what you're going to be giving them because you're always missing something because you're overloading your team, or even worse, um, you are delivering poor work to get it out the door. And that then affects your performance, which obviously ultimately affects your relationship with your client as well. So the ability to know exactly, you know, I say exactly, the ability to have a very good idea about what you are going to be able to deliver each week or do each week um, is very valuable. And so it's important to have all that in one place as opposed to in lots of different places. Gotcha. Okay. I love that perspective. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, From... I guess taking a step back, the agile model for inbound agencies, how do you, how do like documented processes or tasks that are recurring on a regular mm-hmm. basis, how, mm-hmm. how did those fit into a structure? Because that's a big part of what agencies do or inbound agencies mm-hmm. do. Um, how did you guys work through that process? So what we did, again, before we started, 
didn't I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know how it was going to pan out. Uh, but what we ended up creating was what we called um, a backbone of um, work. Okay. And so the backbone of work became the things that you had promised the clients. So <clears throat> I know that Equinet is, it wants to move on to um, you know performance based pricing and contracting so that they can you know work with clients according to the, the quality of you know the value that they're delivering them in terms of traffic leads uh, contacts but we're, they're still working you know for all the time that we've been that I've been working with them we're still very much on um, client contracts that are that are based on activities yep. still which I imagine you know most inbound marketing agencies have to do that because that's probably what clients want right so what we did is we created um, a backbone of work, and the backbone would be what you had promised your client, and then that would be the recurring tasks. So let's say it's a you know a blog post a week, um, a video uh, a month or a quarter, an ebook a quarter or every six weeks, whatever it was that would form. Um, the backbone of work, and then our sprints, which is our, it, you know, our, our time box periods of work, at which point we would we would review. Uh, they get fed into the sprints uh, as known quantities at, at when they are due to be done. Okay. And then we can play around with um, the other activities around them. So you you have this sort of core. As I said, the backbone. Yeah. And then, and then you, what you do is you feed in the other activities that you can do, that the team can do, in order to affect performance around that backbone of work, right? So, with one blog post, there's still a lot of other work that needs to be done. But the the backbone is that the client's expecting a blog post this week or you know two weeks or whatever it is. So that needs to be done. So that goes into the sprint. And then, <clears throat> what else can we do around that? You know, uh, can we do some keyword research? Can we do um, some, you know, <clears throat> CRO analytics? Can we do, you know, optimization? And those are the tasks that aren't necessarily visible to the client, but will absolutely enhance the work that you're doing. And we try and, you know, discuss um, how we feed those in, what we can do, uh, you know, um, and that becomes your sort of um, flexible or, you know, your agile uh, element. Okay, gotcha. So it's almost like kind of Stephen Covey's Big Rock, Small Rocks theory where you've got your vessel that's, you know, the size of your jar would be the size of the contract or how many hours you can put in each month for your contract. You put mm -hmm. in your backbone pieces first, those are your big rocks, like these things need to be done. And then mm -hmm. it's like, what are the smaller rocks that we can fit in around here with the remaining margin that we have to deliver value, like leveraging what we've already created and just giving more to the client. Um, but doing it within that time box. That that that's exactly it. Beautiful. Yeah. Because there, there also the reality is is that the the backbone is uh, you need to know where the backbone is. But that the the beauty of the agile process is that or sorry the reality of life is that you might not be able to deliver what the backbone says you are. And what you don't want is for that to then break your system or break your process. Gotcha. And so. With this agile process, you can see where the backbone, what's happening to the backbone as it's happening. But it's not like, oh, we missed that. The whole thing's broken. It's it's okay. So it's a week late. 
but we can deal with that because the process allows for that flexibility. Okay. And it allows you to then communicate with that with the client as well uh, in advance of it happening. So it's not so, – so you can be much more proactive about um, how you're delivering to your client as opposed to reactive. Okay. Um, how did you guys decide on a sprint length? Well, uh, we – well, obviously we're talking about it regularly. But we kind of let it decide itself. So – a week sprint was the natural time to have a sprint uh, at the very start because I was in there every week. And so it kind of happened just um, by me being there each week. So in, so that was really the second concept that I introduced was this was this concept of, of working in sprints. When the, and um, the way you frame a sprint is by having – for those that aren't familiar with it is you have a, uh, a planning and a review points and the sprint starts and finishes according to time not according to activity so you don't say right when we are finished with this work then the sprint finishes it goes the sprint starts and you know if it's a week and it starts on a tuesday it always starts on a tuesday and it always finishes on a monday no matter what and it just keeps on cycling around like that so the fact that i was there every monday naturally created this sprint cycle Gotcha. Okay. So, so we started with, um, with Monday to Monday sprints, just one week. And I was, and I was introducing, uh, this, this meeting that we have, which is the sprint review and planning. So you, so you kind of, you do it at the same time. You review how it went the week before and you plan how it's going for the next week. What was happening to us is because this was a, a, a new meeting, uh, and we were, we're covering, discussions and topics and ground that the team hadn't done before the meeting was becoming it was taking way longer than it was supposed to i mean we were having three hour meetings or i think one of them went to three and a half hours it was it was crazy but one of the things that i was doing is i was making sure that we did the meeting properly so that was like you know one of one of one of the i was kind of being this you know the as the agile ambassador i wouldn't let them have a shorter um, substandard meeting, I would force the force it through. So the pain was in the was in these long meetings, but at least I knew that we were doing it properly gotcha. and we're having the, we're having the correct meeting. Anyway, the side effect of it being a three and a half hour meeting is that it takes up the entire team's time for three and a half hours, and there was a real concern, especially from uh, Jeremy and Eric from the management team, that we were losing quite a lot of our working week for for these meetings yeah so what we so what we said was okay why why don't we go to two week sprints uh so that we have the number of meetings sprint meetings we have um for each sprint let's see if that affects um our productivity so that's what we did so about six weeks in we changed to two-week sprints, and uh, I would still come every week. But in the in the, in the interim one, we we wouldn't have sprint meetings. We'd have I'd do other other things with with the team, um, and so we ran that for a while, and then there came a point about actually three months later. So we've been running two-week sprints for for quite a while now. Where um, Eric, so this is actually past. Um, so I, I now go, I, I'm now I'm still see Equinet, but I only see them one 
excuse me, once a month. So this is past the time that I've been going every week. Okay. And I'm going in once a month now. And I was chatting to we – were, we we're running through things and they were saying, do you know what? We think that we're going to go back to one-week sprints. And that was because they were now so slick with their meetings that they brought them down to an hour maximum, sometimes 45 minutes. So they solved that problem. And the ability to talk about what they were working on more regularly gave them more control of what the team was working on and, and, their, and more flexibility and ultimately was, uh, uh, gave them more power over the work that they were doing. Okay. And so we, they, we went back to uh, one-week sprints, which is what they're cu- we're currently on, uh, which is now working really well. Gotcha. So it's like it's putting in the work early, going through the dredging through those longer meetings where there's more work to be done and they're still learning the process. But doing that, knowing that there's light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, because you're learning, the, you're internalizing the process and the, the agenda flow for how you move through things. Uh, so that would be my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't necessarily theirs. I would say that the that probably was one of the. Uh, more difficult times of the of the um, of the process of the transformation was my insistence upon these meetings okay. because they couldn't at that point don't forget they're learning something new so they don't necessarily understand why we have to you know have these meetings in in, in this way why we have to sort of point stories at that time can't we do it after can't why do we have to do it as a team all this kind of stuff. And I was insistent upon it, so there's a bit of um, back and forth. But obviously, I I, I had to be um, uh, insistent upon maintaining this approach. So hence, we went to the two weeks, and then you know once they became better and better and better at it, they then made the choice to go to the one week. So I was saying in my head, I was like, this is great because they are definitely learning the fundamentals of agile and the principles and as we continue to do this they'll become more and more familiar with it from their side it was my god these meetings are taking forever why are we doing this and you're just sitting there saying wax on wax off basically basically yeah exactly love it um okay so i guess a big part of the process here is like setting setting the stories that fill your sprints and pointing those Hmm? can you talk about how what was the typical line between a story and an inbound deliverable, and how did you guys organize those? Um, well, we made we, we we treated them in the same way. So our backbone of work uh, was all structured as stories. So if we have if we have an ebook that is due um, for a client, that is you know that's not one story that is made up of I, I don't I can't remember how many stories make up a single ebook, but let's say six or seven right you know you have the research you have right in the first draft you know one of the things about um, agile is you don't want stories that are too big in a a single sprint Uh, so for for people that don't understand what a story is it's essentially a task um, that the team needs to needs to deliver and when we talk about big and small stories what we do is we we attribute points to the stories and the points are uh, a measure of how much effort it will take to complete that story. And if we have points to all our stories, we're then able to see, um, we, we end up getting a, 
a team velocity and the team velocity is how many points does this team deliver in each sprint you know so it's it's quite it's quite it's simple when you think about it you know there's a, there's a certain level of normal effort that a team can deliver in a week how do you quantify that and by applying points to stories you're able to get a quantification of that. Now, this is not an exact science. You have to understand that it, these are estimates, but it's a hell of a lot better having those estimates than it is not having anything at all. Oh, definitely. So so to go back to your question about the size, you know, or sorry, to make a point about the size of stories, again, knowing that um, Agile, one of the things about these Agile sprints is about planning and being able to know what's you know what you're going to deliver or not you don't want a story that's too big in your sprint so it doesn't have too many points on it because the bigger a task or activity is uh the less sure you are that you're going to be able to complete it the more the more risk there is yeah. that something will happen that stops you from completing it and the less you know about what's going on or the less you can be sure about what's going to happen the less control you have uh, and there, you know, and so the the negative cycle starts. So you want to try and break down um, your stories into manageable sized stories. Hence, when I say, so you have an ebook, it might be made up of six different stories. That if you do all six of those stories, you end up with an ebook that has been, you know, published and released. Okay. Uh, and so the backbone of work is. Uh, Everything's a story. Everything that we're working on ends up being what we call. I say a st so story is the it's the agile term for uh, these pieces of work. Whether it applies, it, it doesn't necessarily story is, doesn't really apply to the to the way that we did it for um, Equinet and inbound marketing. Um, it refers to the to the wording that you use for a development um, story. But we didn't we don't actually write stories we don't we don't say for uh, for anyone sure, who's yeah. familiar with agile you go as a user i want to so um do what do whatever so i can that is the structure of an of a development agile story we don't follow that and they're, so they're, they're not they're not technically stories but we still refer to them as as stories um that's just to clarify it for anyone who's getting confused um, so everything ends up being one of these, I'll call them story cards, being in a story card, whether it's backbone activity or not. And the, 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 the benefits of having backbone activity is that you can apply points to your backbone um, activities and those can apply to all – every time that, that, that activity is being done, which is, which is in, an advantage – for inbound marketing versus the development world yeah. where everything you're doing is is essentially new. So you have to point every single story every time you create it and write it and put it into your workflow. Whereas in inbound marketing, you actually have a whole host of stories that are already pointed. So that, that helped us reduce the, the meeting times once we had that in place. I see. So, it all still – so to, to answer your question, everything still remains a story. So you have your backbone activity, which are all all um, managed as you know, uh, bite-sized stories, manageable stories that we can deliver in sprints. And then we have our I, – I, uh, we don't have a term for it, but let's call it our ad hoc stuff or the, or the other stuff that fits in around it, the small pebbles. 
And those, some of those will have um, points attributed to them as well because they might not be um, backbone tasks, but they're certainly repeatable tasks. Okay. You know, they're stuff that you do regularly as part of an inbound marketing um, strategy, but you just don't know when or where things. So you have all those tasks that are repeatable tasks, but aren't necessarily uh, repeatable according to a schedule. Uh, and then finally, you have other tasks, which are the ones that uh, are probably your ad hoc tasks, the ones that you are unique and haven't been done before or um, you know, are different depending on each client. And those are the only ones you end up pointing as you are going through the process. Okay. So a story with like the inbound the inbound marketing application is there is it like one owner could it is it equated directly to a task or could there be multiple tasks different people completing different things inside of one story uh so a, a story is um owned by one person but that's not that doesn't a story is not written for one person so you don't you don't create your stories according to uh, people or individuals. You create it according to the ultimate task that you are um, delivering. Okay. And but the reason so there are there are lots. In fact, most of the stories that we have in our board will require input from multiple people. The only ones that the only ones that don't really, as far as I as far as I can think, are. Um, probably the web development ones, but even you know what? Even then, you probably have a bit of input from uh, the you know we have input from the designer. Pretty much every story requires multiple uh, people to input into it. Now you have one person to own it, so that uh, there's some level of accountability. Okay, so they're responsible no. for bringing everything together and getting it ready for. You know, the meetup. Okay. Correct. And they, and they might, you know, depending on, in, in some circumstances, you can um, have one person own the card uh, at the start of the sprint and then th someone else owning it by the end of the sprint because, they, you know, the two tasks could be um, one follows the other. So then uh, the, the, the first person does, the, does the, the task that they need to do to get that card through. And then they assign it to the next person who then takes it on deliver it to finish it off. So you can have that sometimes as well. Okay. So it's like passing the baton essentially. Well, yeah. In those circumstances, the, the, the whole reason why you have – you only have one person on it is because – and this was learned – this is actually learned by trial and error. When you have multiple people on it, uh, it's harder to know who's supposed to be looking after that. So there's just – it's just a natural human – you know, reaction to go, yeah. oh, well, you know, if Bob and um, Anna are on it, both on at the same time, Anna's going, oh, well, I think Bob's going to, you know, do the first yeah, thing there. And Bob's yeah. going, oh, I think Anna's going to do the first thing there. And no one ends up doing anything. But if it's, if it's discussed, I go, right, Bob, you own this. And so he does his first task. Or he goes, okay, what this means is I will schedule the meeting that both me and Anna have to have in order to solve this. That's, that's my responsibility, but it's completely a joint effort card. Could be something like that. Awesome. Okay, so we've covered so much ground here, but wrapping up, if there's anyone who's listening here, an agency who wants to give Agile a try, you know, after going through this process with Equinet, what would be some advice that you would share with them before they hop in? Um, I would pro – well, don't undertake it lightly. 
it's it's a massive thing to do and it's all encompassing so um while you can try and you know you can implement it across small teams and and to test it out i would say it's it's a big task so don't so don't undertake it lightly and with that in mind invest in it so that means either educate yourself and i wouldn't educate yourself by reading books i would educate yourself by going on courses get yourself even if it's a development course uh it's still better to be taught by a a professional than it is to read about it and then test it because that you know the consequences of getting it slightly wrong um will will end up being losing clients now either you can you know stomach that most people can't um having said all that you know get someone who's done it before and get get someone to help you to step through and what that what that gives you is it gives you a fast forward so you will be able to take steps faster knowing that you're protecting yourself from the downside but the ultimate thing is is don't undertake it lightly and invest in the process Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much for all the insight, kind of the behind the scenes feel. I feel like, you know, we just kind of walked with you through that process. And I know it was super helpful for me. And I'm sure it's helpful for folks listening. If anyone has any follow up questions, or they want to reach out and say hi, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Uh, send me an email. Uh, my email is Chris at we mean lean.com. So happy to happy to hear anyone who's got any questions. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for sharing all this insight. We'll, uh, My pleasure. Talk to you later, man. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.